I got one fan. It's good. <laughs> um, good morning. Can we pray together? Father God, um, it is an honor to have a responsibility to bring your word um, and the burden of preaching truth this morning. And Father God, I ask that you would use my lips to speak truth and that our hearts and our ears would be attentive to your word, Lord. There is something marvelous happening in this church and in the midst of this people. And Father God, I ask that we would have hearts tuned to the work of God, that the Spirit of God would be alive in this place. And that these people here would leave this morning changed and full of anticipation of your work. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so today is an exciting day. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm excited. My family's super excited. We are like really honored and grateful to be here. Um, it really is a good day. But you know what, like, what makes today really, what the best part of today is? Do you guys know this? You're here? No, actually, <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> the best part of the day is that God is here, in this room. Like, I, it's an unbelievable thing. I don't know if you guys like like physics and science and stuff, but I do, and it's cool. I just asked my son this right before I came on stage. I was like, Zion, what's the fastest thing in the universe? And Zion, what did you say? Cars. Not cars. <laughs> <laughs> the speed of light, he said. And then he's like, and did you know what? That light cannot escape a black hole. And I was like, yeah, okay, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> But light, the speed of light is like, the, the, it's just an unbelievable thing. Light is not only like a particle, but it's also a wave, but it's actually more complex than both of those things. And in the beginning, the very first thing that God created was light. <laughs> I mean, God who creates the fastest thing in the universe. None of us could even approach the speed of light, even if we tried. It's physically impossible. And it's like, God's like, I'll just create that. That's, that'll be my first act. And he's here with us. We have this book, this little encyclopedia that my son reads because he's a nerd also. And um, so he reads this book and it, and it, it basically kind of shows how vast the universe is. And it starts basically with Earth and, you know, we are just a dot on the Earth, right? Mm -hmm. And the Earth is really just a dot in the solar system. And the solar system is really just a dot in like the stellar cluster. And the stellar cluster is just a dot in the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is just a dot in the local group of galaxies. And the local group of galaxies is just a dot in the supercluster. And the supercluster is just a dot in the universe. Yeah, I know. So we're really just that small. And the God who created that universe, he is here with us today. That's the best part of today. That's the best part of that God's saying, I'm glad there's a couple empty seats, because what if God was sitting in one of them and was like, oh man, this is about to be good. I'm going to get glorified this morning. You know, like he is here in our midst. It says where there's two or more gathered, one, two, got it. You know, we, God is here in our midst. This is the best part of today, that we get to be in the presence of the God who created the universe. He is here. And our, our sermon text today comes out of Isaiah chapter 43. Um, it's going to be on the screen. If you, if you can open your Bible, see, I love the Bible. I like reading from the Bible, so it's good if you have a Bible. But if you don't, it's right there. But 
in, in this text, it kind of brags about this God of the universe too. It says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And verse 15 says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. The Holy One of Israel, your King. Wouldn't it be great if He had a word for us today? Wouldn't that be incredible? And guess what He does? Because it says right there, it says, Thus says the Lord. The Lord has a word for us. In verse 16, it says again, Thus says the Lord. And it gives a little bit more description here of who this God is that is in this room with us today. It kind of tells us about him in verse 16 and 17. It says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. You know, that language should spark in your mind a little memory of some famous story in the Old Testament. The Exodus, right? Like, this is a reminder of Exodus in the Red Sea when all of these armies were laid down. And this is probably one of the most well-known miracles in all of Scripture. I mean, Disney made a movie over this. You know, this is pretty famous. It's like foundational to our theology. The Exodus is so important. And God is saying, I am the God of the Exodus. Do you remember the Exodus? It was incredible. It was salvation out of Egypt. These people were brought out of death and in slavery. And then he goes on and says, remember not the former things of old. nor consider the things of old. The NIV puts it this way, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. But, but God, I thought, I thought you were just telling us to remember the Exodus. It, it was incredible, God, like the, the Exodus, it was such an amazing miracle. Oh, I just want to think about how great that was. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. The Exodus, God says, that's weak sauce. You know, a lot of us are like, oh, remember how things used to be? They were so good back then. Times were simpler back then, before cell phones. Back in the good old days, a friend of mine's dad one time texted him and says, back in the good old days, we used to make phone calls instead of text messages. To which my friend responded and said, thanks for sending me a text message about that. <laughs> But here's this thing, it's like when, back in the good old days when God saved Exodus. Oh, man, that was incredible. Remember that miracle? God was there. It was amazing. He was faithful. Times were good. And then this divine imperative interrupts this memory of God's deeds and acts. It says, do not remember. It's a divine command. He's saying, hey, look around you, or you're going to miss things being born, the future being born before you. If you keep sitting around thinking about the past, you're going to miss the future being born. For many of us here at Grace Covenant Church, many of us have been here for years, some even decades. I don't really know why I said us. I'm new. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm new. I have not been here for decades. <laughs> but, you know, many of us are like, man, remember that miracle 
Remember how God was here. Remember how times were so good and God was doing such amazing things in this church and so many people were coming to faith and so many children were here being baptized and, and so many people were coming and the pews were full. And, and remember all the good things. And God says, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old because God is doing something new. Now here, I want you to hear me very, very clearly on this. I am not the new thing. I am not it. I want to be a part of it, but I am not the new thing. God is doing something new in the midst of this church, and I am certain of that, but I am not it. If anyone ever says to me, you're, you're the new thing, God, I'm going to throw up and have diarrhea at the same time. <laughs> Now, as a side note, hear me on this too. Don't make diarrhea jokes on your first time preaching. It just doesn't go over well. Just as a side note. But I'm not the new thing. I'm not it. God is doing something new, and I want to be a part of what he's doing in this church. Because I see it. I feel the reverberations of God's newness and the life he's bringing to this church. He says in verse 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? See, the subject, the I, is God. It's not Nick. See, this is who God is. God is a creator. He builds new things. This is God who is God and makes new things. In the beginning, God created. What's that saying? That God's a new maker. He makes things new. He brings life. In the beginning, he created, and now God is creating anew, again, in a brand new way. Here in this church, here in this world, he's not doing something old, something tried and true, the good old reliable way. He's doing something new. Something better is going to be done than anything else ever done in the past. A miracle upon miracles. You can at the end of this time say, man, you've really outdone yourself, God. You've ousted your own miracles. You've one-upped your own mightiest of acts. It's kind of like you had the best meal you've ever had. You're like, that was the best meal I ever had. And the next meal, it was even better. And the next meal even eat is even better. Like, that's the way God makes things new. Every time he does new things, it's better than anything else you've ever seen or experienced before. You see, the character of God doesn't change. Because the prophet Isaiah, 5th century B.C., you know, he's prophesying long ago, and then John the Revelator in the book of Revelation says something very similar. Behold, God says, I will make all things new. And God goes on to say in Revelation 21, says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that. God's like, behold, I make all things new. You might want to write that down. <laughs> I want to make note about that, because I'm a God who makes things new, and it's going to get so new, you might want to write down that it's going to keep being new. See, God says, look at all the things I've done in the past, but forget them, because new things are coming. And I believe that's the case here at Grace Covenant Church. God is doing something new here. I don't know if you guys feel the reverberations of the excitement of what God is doing. It's kind of like there's like an earthquake bubbling underneath this building. 
Has anyone ever seen the, the movie Jurassic Park? Okay, wow, I'm super excited that people know about this. <laughs> um, I was kind of like, is this going to be a dead illustration? No one's going to understand. But in like the first Jurassic Park movie, I always remember the scene. They're sitting in the car, and they hear some like footsteps, and they kind of see the mirror in the car vibrate with every footstep, and then they crawl to the front in the dash where there's two cups of water, and they start vibrating. And the point is that there's something huge and massive coming through the trees. And every footstep, every vibration is a massive movement of something new coming their way. And I feel that same way about what's happening here at Grace. There's a reverberation of God's spirit. Something massive is coming. Something new is coming. And it is about to explode into our world. And you know how I know this is true? Is because just before the service, Pastor Steve comes up to me and says, are you teaching on Isaiah 43? And I was like, yeah. He's like, is that the passage about everything being new? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I was thinking about saying that this morning, but I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> I was like, it's not, clearly, Steve, it's not my thunder. This is what God is saying to us. And you know how else I know this is true? Is that two days ago, after my sermon was already prepared, I got an email from the prayer team. And I'm going to read it to you. This is not my words, prayer team. We're all in agreement here. Listen to this. God wants to give us new wineskins for the new wine he wants to pour out all over us. Amen. Referencing Matthew 9, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. They go on and say, let us hold rid not hold rigidly to old ideas and old expectations. A new era is here. This is the season of new wine. You are about to encounter me as you have never done so before. They go on and say, God wants to do a new thing like never before to bring us to a new level of intimacy with him. We need to open our hearts and receive the abundance of what God is doing. Do not be afraid. Let go of the tools of religion and traditions of the past and pursue with joyful expectation the things that God is doing the things that go so far beyond our own thoughts and desires that we can't even imagine the marvelous, magnificent things that God is doing in our midst. God is doing something new here at Grace Covenant Church. And he goes on to say, because he's awesome, and he has a lot of good things to say, he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, you have to understand, when he says something like this, you have to understand the context of this passage, that Isaiah is preaching or prophesying to the people of Israel, and he's saying, like, when you go to Babylon in captivity for 70 years, he's prophesying, he says, don't worry, because God is going to make a way in the desert to free you from captivity from Babylon back to the promised land, because it's a desert path on the way back from Babylon. See, the way through Babylon to the promised land is through the desert, and, and I personally, I hate the desert. Like, I like, actually, I'm getting thirsty just thinking about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I'm like panting right now. The desert is just like, it's dry. It's kind of like your best friend invited you over to a pool party, and before you got there, they drained all the water out of the pool and poured a bunch of baking soda in the pool and said, 
come have fun in my pool. And you're like, what? That's what the desert is like. It's the worst. You know, you're just, there's nothing good about it. The wilderness is awesome. I've gone in the wilderness with you guys all day long. The desert's like a death trap. There's nothing good there. And so God makes a way in the wilderness, which reminds us back to verse 16, where he says, I make a way in the sea. Making a way in the sea is cool, but boats make ways in the sea too. That's reminiscent of, you know, the exodus through the Red Sea. God makes a way in the sea. Boats can make ways in the sea. That's not God, how, how God did it. But making a way in the wilderness in a river, in a desert, that's really cool. That's like, oh, I did a really great miracle, but now watch, I made a river in a desert. That's really cool. And God says, I'm going to make a river in the desert because I do something new and it's even better. And it's made it not just a river in the sea or a way in the sea, but it's a river in the desert. It's even better. And see, the thing is, though, is that as much as we hate the desert, we're going to go through the desert. That's the way to the promised land. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you guys. The way to the promised land is through the desert. And we don't like going to the desert, but see, the crazy thing is that the other thing God says here is, thus says the Lord your God, verse 14, for your sake I send to Babylon. That's a hard truth. For your sake he sends you into captivity so that you have to go through the desert to get to the promised land. It's for your sake, but he is providing a way through the desert. And, and so sometimes we get lost in this. We're like, oh, but how is God going to make this promise work? And how is this going to figure this out? And I don't even understand all the details. And God just says, I make a way in the desert. I make rivers in the desert. A friend of mine just was diagnosed with, well, not just diagnosed with cancer, but just recently went on hospice care. And him and his family just went out to Hawaii to spend kind of some last family time together. And um, they live out in Illinois, and I've just been mourning with them. And just like the reality of what's going on in their life and the pain that they're facing. And this is a desert ahead for this family. And, and when we hear stories like that, how is God going to make something new in the shadow of death for these family members? And God says, you know what? I will make a way through that desert. I will make a way through that desert. In the seemingly hopeless situations, the prophet calls out to us and says, do not lose heart, but look to the, with anticipation to the signs of the approaching of the new things that God is doing. Do not lose hope. A new thing is coming And I know for you all, you guys have been in a wilderness and a desert here in this church. It's been a painful season for you all with the, the last pastor and everything that's happened here in this church. It's felt difficult and painful. I say, God, what is happening? How are you going to make a way? What is happening? This is painful. This is a shadow of death. This is disappointing. It's discouraging. It's confusing, God. But he takes us through the desert. For your sake, I send you to Babylon. 
And the way to the promised land is through the desert, but people, listen, he is making a way for you because he's doing something new. He is doing something new here in this church. In verse 20, he goes on and says this, The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. And when I read this this part of this passage here, I think about, you know, what about God interacting with the most vile, sinful of mankind? Like, how does God interact? Is it worth us bringing the word of God to the most evil of people. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine recently about his brother-in-law who ended up in prison multiple times and just kept repeatedly experienced life in prison. And we were talking about, I was like, I could never make it in prison. I, just, I don't have a muscle on my body, which doesn't help. You know, can't fight my way out of here. But, you know, I just like, I just wouldn't make it in prison. I'm not a tough guy. And so, you know, I... He was talking about his brother-in-law has been in prison multiple times. I'm like, oh, he must be a pretty tough guy. He's like, yeah, but he ended up in, like, a federal prison and, like, the, like, you know, maximum security prison where there's multiple murder, you know, multiple murderers, you know, as his, like, cellmates. And he was there, and that scared him straight. Because he got, he got spent time with these just multiple murders and these people who were just, like, I'm like, just, ter- you know, murderers. And this guy had been in prison multiple times, like, I don't, I don't even want to be, they're scary. And when I think about it, he's like, what if we bring the word of God? Is God good? Is God's word good among these blasphemers and these profane persons? Is God's word going to be effective in the most sinful of people's lives? And it says here, if the, if the wild beasts and the jackals, and the ostriches, which, you know, without discussion, the ostrich is the worst, ugliest bird (laughs) ever. It's just ugly. That's just an opinion if you're offended. It's not biblical, but it's fact. Um, But, you know, if, if the wild jackals, the wild beasts, and the ostriches will honor God, then we should have no concerns that evil men can too. It's not what they are, but what God is that should give us confidence concerning them. You know, even if they were worse than they are, God's omnipotent power and his grace would still be able to transform their lives and convert them. And see, when God says, behold, I make all things new, he's talking about you too. He is making you new. Not your New Year's resolution, not your hard work, not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but God is making you new. There's a new thing happening in this church, and there's a new thing happening in your life. God is doing something new. Is anyone here a car mechanic? 
Uh-oh. Don't raise your hand and volunteer at church. You don't even know where this is going. <laughs> See, I need to fix my car, by the way. Let me get your number. <laughs> Um, no, but I am going to work on my car here in the future, and I've got like so many problems. My entire front end needs to be rebuilt, my entire suspension. And I'm like, I'm going to go try to fix this and figure this out by myself, and I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to make it new, but I guarantee you something's not going to go right. It's going to be a disaster. Something's going to be off. I shouldn't drive my kids in the car when I'm done. You know, those types of safety concerns. <laughs> but if you take your car to a mechanic, he makes things new and fixes it. That's what God does with our lives. He makes things new. He transforms your life. He does the new thing for you. I, I, I've heard a, a story about a prostitute who gave her life to Christ. And one of the most amazing things about the way the missionary can, you know, preached the gospel to this young lady and shared it with her, they didn't say, hey, before you get to know Jesus, you have to stop being a prostitute. You have to stop being a sinner. You have to get your life together and fix all of your problems and then come to know Jesus. And they just said, hey, here's Jesus. He loves you and wants to know you and be in relationship with you. And so she gave her life to Christ. But all she had ever known was to be a prostitute. She didn't know. She went to bed there. She's like, I'm a prostitute. Woke up the next morning. I don't know what else to do. I'm a prostitute. But the Spirit of God and the grace of God began transforming that young woman's life. Because if you encounter the living God, you will never be the same. And you cannot remain the same. Because God will make you new. You see, grace can move mountains. And when I mean that, I mean not only the grace of God, but this church itself. That grace can and will move mountains. And see, God says, I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. My chosen people, the people I've formed for myself. Why? That they may proclaim my praise. Back in verse 7, it's not on the screen here, but it says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory... Why is God making all these things new? Why is he bringing rivers of water to the mouths of his thirsty people desperate for grace? Why is he doing that? So that we may proclaim his praise. See, God is doing something new here in this church, and someday every seat in this room is going to be filled with people. Why? Proclaiming the praise of God, bringing glory to his name. He's giving life-giving drink, life-giving water in the wilderness and the desert of where this church has been. He's making rivers in the desert, a way in the wilderness here at Grace Covenant Church so that things will be new, that we may be able to declare his praise. Grace Covenant Church, hold on to your seats. God is doing something new. He is creating anew. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are with joyful anticipation of what you are going to do. Father God, may our hearts and our minds be ready with excitement at the movement of the Spirit in this church. 
Lord, may you receive all the glory and the honor and the praise that is worthy and do your name. God, may you increase and we may decrease. Amen.